Here in Australia, as I speak to you, tons of red wine grapes have finished or nearly finished ripening, involving rapidly accumulating sugars, degrading acids, and producing anthocyanin compounds. However, within each vineyard, vine, and bunch, grapes do not go through these chemical processes at the same time, leading to grape maturity variability, or also known as grape heterogeneity. Welcome to this ASVO podcast on berry heterogeneity. This podcast is a collaboration between the University of Adelaide, Weight Research Institute, and the ASVO. ASVO supports ongoing learning and development for winemakers and viticulturists by encouraging the exchange of technical information. For more information, visit asvo.com.au. Hello, welcome back to Grower Maker Researcher. My name is Claire Armstrong and I am your host today discussing the topic of grape heterogeneity. My journey started in Scotland where I did my honours degree in chemistry and then I moved over to Adelaide to do my PhD in wine chemistry. Grape heterogeneity is a phenomenon that happens every vintage and is acknowledged by many viticulturists and winemakers as an issue in their winery. However, a lot remains unknown, especially how grape heterogeneity impacts perceived wine quality and style and how to manage grape heterogeneity out in the vineyard with an aim to minimise its effects in the winery. Today, we are hopefully going to shed some light on this ambiguous topic. There is a need for collaboration between researchers and industries across the globe, from medical researchers and doctors to environmental scientists and politicians. And wine scientists and grape growers and winemakers are no different. But collaboration is key to get to grips with these complicated topics. And if we work together, we could achieve more consistent wine quality and better crop value in an industry where efficiency is becoming crucial to survival. To gain some insight into what is currently done in the vineyard to tackle grape heterogeneity, I'm going to speak with Pete Balnaves, head viticulturist at Balnaves of Kunawara Winery and the main collaborator I have been working with over the last two years. Hello, Pete. Good morning, Claire. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you? Good for the start of vintage. We'll see how we go by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Pete, you have a wealth of knowledge and experience from being in the industry for over 40 years. So how did it all begin? Well, way back in the 70s, uh, the family farm at that stage was sold to a new company that came into the, the Coonawarra region, a company by the name of Hungerford Hill. And Dad, who was a shearer at that stage, was asked to stay on and manage the vineyard. So growing up uh, on site on a, on a vineyard was always uh, very exciting. There's always something happening, particularly because the vineyard was developed from scratch when I was quite young. So that was the early involvement uh, in the industries in the mid-70s. So you moved to the family winery in Kunawara, as in Balnaise of Kunawara. Did you have new ideas and more freedoms there? I suppose when I finished school, I was able to go and work in Mildura in a, in a very large winery for a number of vintages and came and went from uh, doing vintages in Mildura to coming down to, to doing vintages uh, down here in Coonawarra, but in a winery in Mildura, and in our own case, it was more, more so on the viticultural side of things, so harvesting 
And then um, we built a winery in 1995, and that really changed the direction of, of us as a family, and I suppose, bit of culturally, because it allowed us to trace. Um, we've grown grapes since 1976, but it allowed us to trace through trial work that we were doing in the vineyard through our own winery and get a very quick turnaround on the research and see what was uh, what was working and in, in a lot of cases what wasn't working. So there's as much can be gained from either side of that that equation really. Uh, there's the, the mistakes you, you make your own and generally you only make them once. So to answer your question, yes, there's a lot of changes that we've been able to make over the years. Our aim's always been to try and produce uh, high-end wine consistently because uh, buyers want consistency in what they uh, what they buy and they want to be able to recognise a brand and know that if they walk into a bottle shop, they're going to get that uh, consistency between years. Yeah, so what were you seeing at that time in the industry? Lucky enough to, you know, the mid-80s, seeing uh, large expansions of new vineyards, a lot of technical research being done by research officers that uh, were involved in, in companies uh, in the area and also research scientists coming in. So that was that was back sort of in the early 90s. And really since then, the need to try and get the next, the next 10% out of what we're doing has been very important. So whether that's taking out the, the 10% worst bit of fruit or increasing your, the fruit quality by another 10%. So it's it's been a, a conscious effort to try and do that. And the vineyard is definitely the place to to you've got to do it in order to assist the winemakers in getting their final result. Why did you introduce precision viticulture? And can you explain what that is exactly? Well, to go back a step, I suppose the first introduction that we had of changing technologies was to move to drip irrigation, which was just really coming in in the early 90s. And then involved in that was soil moisture probes, sap flow monitoring, and the need for weather station uh, networks across the area, not, our, not only our own vineyard, but the, the area that we manage. So we manage about 18 sites across two, two regions. The reason for moving towards precision viticulture was to better understand uh, and try and mimic what we were seeing in some of our better blocks. So we put in precision viticulture, did all sorts of EM38, uh, surveying, yield monitoring on harvesters, batch tracing to try and see whether we could get move the uh, the uh, amount of uh, A grade or top end fruit that we were producing broaden that out so we had more access to to that type of material. So I suppose precision viticulture is really in the way that I look at it. Firstly, it's got to add to your bottom line in your business, which is something that my sister keeps drilling into me. Uh, but it also needs to be you need to be able to measure things. So if you're going to make a change, be that in pruning type, irrigation type, soil moisture management through cover crops, you need to be able to measure the outcome. And I suppose precision is really about not getting into analysis paralysis, but trying to, to have data that is meaningful and useful because I'm not scientifically qualified. So it needs to be something that I can understand and relay to the people that, uh, that are working with us. So were you seeing impacts on wine quality and style because of grape heterogeneity present at the time of crush? Yes. Look, anything that increases variability is something that can alter the variability of your final result. So things like bunch size and berry size uh, can be affected by things like pruning, by irrigation, 
by the variability down the row with depth to depth to impeding layers and stuff like that. So the heterogeneology is is very important and it's something that as an industry we need to understand more about. And I think it shows the importance of, of the type of research that you've been doing, Claire, and also being able to get, you know, you out into the region to to get a feel for what Coonawarra is like, because it's very different to sitting in a in a lab in a university, as I'm sure you found. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. It is. There's a lot going on in the field. <laughs> a lot of variables coming into it. A curly question for you now, Pete. We see heat stress and heat waves push grapes into overripe categories and therefore increase grape heterogeneity. But in Kunawara, which is classified as a cool climate region here in South Australia, do we know what is causing the variability in grape maturity? I'm not sure that we've got the, the whole answer. Certainly the peak harvest date since 1976 has moved forward uh, about 10 days. So we're, we're now harvesting 10 days earlier. And if you compared apples to apples by way of the targeted biomase back in the 70s through to now, it would be probably more like two weeks. I think we've got to try and the industry, I think, is doing a great job accepting that climate change is happening and uh, modifying, changing its planting types, row directions and some of the methods that are being used in the vineyard to try and minimise uh, berry heterogeneology. But there's more that we can do. There's more that we can understand and, and we need to understand in order to keep moving and moving forward because it's a very competitive market, not only from a wine a final wine product point of view, but also from a fruit sales point of view. There's a lot of very discerning buyers of fruit out in the market now. So anything that a grower can do to assist in that off-taking company, the wine, the fruit buyer, receiving the, the style of fruit that they need for their products is going to assist in a long-term relationship. So I'm not sure whether I've answered your question. I suppose that's one of the mysteries of very heterogeneology, but it's certainly something that we there needs to be more work and the, the work that you've done over the last two years and more has certainly highlighted the need that we need to, uh, that it's, we need more, more work to be done on it. Yeah, definitely a lot more questions being produced from the work we're doing together, which is, yeah, answer one and get many more. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Pete. Thank you so much for chatting with me through this busy time of vintage. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. Now we go over to David Jeffrey. Associate Professor in Wine Science at the University of Adelaide to find out what is being done in the laboratory around the topic of grape heterogeneity. Hello, Dave. Hello, Claire. <laughs> How are you doing? Fine, thank you. Good. Dave, you have done a lot of research in analytical chemistry, especially on wine flavour and phenolic compounds. How did you come to work on this project? It arose from a previous ARC training centre project. So um, we were looking at the compositional and sensory effects of water addition to wine. And this is around fruit being overripe and needing to decrease alcohol levels in the final wine. So uh, at the time, water addition was permitted to be added during winemaking in Australia before fermentation, so pre-fermentation water addition. Um, but there hadn't been any research done in Australia and, and very minimal around the world. So a PhD student at the time, Olaf Shileski, was working on this. So we tackled it from the perspective of fruit coming in with higher ripeness, and that obviously could lead to wines with elevated alcohol concentration. So 
Olaf was looking at sugar concentration of berry populations at that time, so plucking heaps of berries, hundreds and hundreds of berries, and uh, photographing them and doing uh, TSS values on all of those. The poor bugger at the time, I felt kind of sorry for him, but you know, you know how research is, uh, especially in the middle of vintage when yeah, you need to process a lot of fruit or whatever. And yeah, at that time we noticed there was a spread in the Brix values, or, or that it increased as the grapes became more mature, and we were especially interested at that time in the overripe proportions of the fruit, which became even greater as the a, as a maturity progressed in the vineyard. So naturally there can be also be underripe proportions of berries at the same time, and that sowed the seeds for your project, Claire. I mentioned earlier that grape heterogeneity is due to the uneven ripening of grapes throughout a vineyard. But do we know how far grape heterogeneity reaches? It's complicated by the fact that it's at the bunch, vine and vineyard level. And factors affecting each of these might be somewhat different. So it might be more of an issue with overripe proportions of berries increasing near maturity. But that's because winemakers are then trying to avoid the underripe proportions or chasing flavour ripeness. And therefore, you know, the, the overripe proportions might become greater. It's interesting, actually, just before we started today, that Pete was mentioning this very phenomenon that the fruit is basically ripe, but it's not flavour ripe. So... Um, yeah, this is a, obviously a quandary. The overripe proportions are more likely to be exacerbated in due to hotter or drier vintages, and obviously we're seeing more of those uh, in Australia, and particularly when the BRICS values of berries can change really rapidly within a day or two, the BRICS values can change, and it's probably based on you know the percentage of shriveled berries once you harvest that fruit but when you're sampling in the vineyard you're not necessarily sampling you know all the populations of berries that are out there. Yeah there's definitely a lot going on. So grape heterogeneity includes everything and impacts every vineyard around the world but why do we think we see grape heterogeneity? It's a good question and not one that I can easily answer probably best left to vine physiologists or biochemists but basically it's because all berries are individuals and probably starts with flowering and then relates to uneven onset of veraison within the berry population due to an interplay in regulatory molecules that are involved with cell division, which you looked into when you did your literature review thesis, right? I did. So later on, it involves uneven berry shrivel, which I touched on before, which is more severe due to environmental stresses like heat waves. We also have to consider what we mean when we talk about variability or heterogeneity. It's more than just sugar and acid. So we also need to consider, particularly with red wine, making the other metabolites like phenolics and colour, um, but also flavour that I touched on just before as well. So the pathways that control the formation of these are, are different, so it's really a multifaceted issue. We already discussed the impacts Pete saw of grape heterogeneity on wine quality and style, but this is a topic that you and I have worked on together. It was in my first year of me being here in Adelaide, and we published a paper on it. We did indeed. Dave, could you briefly explain what the main takeaways from that work we did? Sure. In that study, there was rather a limited effect of heterogeneity, especially in terms of sensory characters, but it did highlight things to be aware of in relation to tannins, pigments and flavour. So wine arising from the fruit with greater heterogeneity had more sour taste whereas the less heterogeneous wines were more fruity and floral. The alcohol content didn't vary that much. It was quite a mild vintage, but we also 
prepared the musts so that they were at the average, the same average TSS. So we wouldn't have expected a big, big difference in alcohol. But anthocyanins were higher in concentration in the wines with low heterogeneity. Tannin concentration was not affected, but there were differences in what we call tannin size. So the higher heterogeneity wine appeared to have shorter length tannins, and this could be indicative of seed tannins, which from a textural or mouthfeel perspective are not deemed to be as good in quality as the ones that are extracted from skin. So that was an interesting observation. The higher heterogeneity wines also had greater concentrations of a range of aroma compounds, although that wasn't really borne out in the sensory characteristics. But it did give indications of things to be aware of around flavour, phenolics, colour, uh, even if, you know, in this particular vintage it didn't have a great impact on the overall sensory qualities of the wines at the end. So grape heterogeneity sounds like it's something that it, the industry is quite aware of and we've highlighted that it does have an impact on our wine perceived style and quality. But do we have any tools available to viticulturists and winemakers to be able to analyse grape heterogeneity? Hopefully at the end of your project we have something decent. Yeah, sure. I'm very hopeful about that, actually. So optical is one that we're considering. So red colour or, or size of individual berries or something similar to that, but it's not easily done if you're thinking about berry populations rather than trying to ascertain it from a gross sampling of the vineyard. It also comes back to the types of heterogeneity we're considering and whether that's an effect on sugar and acid or flavour and phenolics and, and some of the other com compositional variables. Sugar and acid can be relatively easily measured, but less so for tannins and flavour potential. So, um, and that's what you've been, you know, finding in your work as you work on that. So, you're starting to provide more objective measures measures of some of these aspects using grape homogenates, which could ultimately come together into a classification model for heterogeneity, and that could be used during maturation to identify how heterogeneity is tracking. So, you know, if we have a a method to analyse this, then obviously, and Pete was saying this before, you need data, you need to measure things to make decisions or understand how things are working. So if we have tools to understand how heterogeneity is tracking during ripening, then we can also start to assess vineyard management practices that might address heterogeneity. Are there ways that we can control grape heterogeneity out in the vineyard? Possibly if we can control chemical signals or grape microclimates or aspects of grapevine growth. So, you know, there's probably some levers in the vineyard that can be pulled there. You've investigated some of those vineyard management approaches that, that differentially seem to affect heterogeneity, decreasing it for some measures and increasing it for others, which at least allows for potential targeting of certain aspects and uh, that might affect wine quality or style. So precision viticulture, as Pete talked about, might also have a role to play because there's different parts of the vineyard that might be more or less heterogeneous as well and they might need to be managed differently or even harvested differently. There's optical sorting of fruit, but that doesn't necessarily account for phenolic or flavour aspects related to maturity. So, yeah, there's still a way to go in terms of how do we measure it and then what do we do to control it for sure. There's more research to be done there. Yeah, definitely. I think I would definitely like to highlight as you keep mentioning is that grape heterogeneity impacts not only your sugars and your acids but also your flavor and your phenolics and that is those components are so important for winemaking so we have to look at all of these aspects together 
Indeed, and in an objective sense as well. So Mm. like I said, you can easily measure TSS of even individual berries. Uh, Acid, you need a bit bigger sample or, you know, you can do things by taste. But then flavour is assessed by, you know, can be done by tasting, walking through the vineyard. But how do you train someone to come up with the same answer in terms of flavour ripeness that you're perceiving? So instrumental techniques, I think, are going to be hugely valuable. Mm -hmm. Definitely. What research is happening in the future on grape heterogeneity and what topics are you currently working on? Okay, so first question, when I have a look at your final thesis or when we get some more papers out, then I'll be able to take stock of where things are at and decide where things might go from there. Um, There's more to be done on the measurement side of things to come up with a system to define and then predict, predict heterogeneity using easily implementable methods. So, you know, it's fine if you can send a sample away for, to the lab and get a result and, you know, that might take a few days or even more, you know, and then you've got to interpret that and be able to implement it. So the things you're working on are, you know, trying to be rapid and simple and easily implementable. So I think that's certainly the way to go there. Assessing the behaviour of different varieties is also going to be important because the flavour characters associated with, say, Cabernet Sauvignon that you're working on are different to Shiraz so, or, or other red varietals and then we haven't even looked at white. So... Other things beyond that, though, other things my team are working on relate to Sauvignon Blanc, so varietal thiols and precursors in in Sauvignon Blanc. We've worked on that for quite a number of years now, actually, but there's always more to be done. Developing Raplin simple methods for wine authentication, which, again, using this instrument that you're playing around with, we've got some really cool methods for wine authentication now and using machine learning modelling, which you've also been looking at. We're investigating the accumulation of methoxypyrazines in rachis and have been working on a large project around defining regional characters of Australian Cabernet Sauvignon wines. Thank you so much for your time today, Dave. Thank you so much for chatting with me. A pleasure. Pete and Dave, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and for talking through everything with us. It has been fascinating. Well, thanks very much for the opportunity, Claire. It's been a pleasure working with you, but it just shows you the importance of research in the region and the importance of these placements through the ARC uh, role in, in industry. So uh, it's, this is important not only for our business, but it's also important for Coonawarra as a region to have researchers like you come down and, and spend time on, on these sorts of topics. So thank you. Oh, been absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me down on the vineyard and for all the quick meetings between the vines and all your advice and help. It's been absolutely marvellous and completely my pleasure. For more information, there is a link to our research paper looking at how grape heterogeneity impacts perceived wine style and quality for Cabernet Sauvignon on the website. Thanks again to our guests and we will see you next time on Grower, Maker and Researcher.